0: Welcome to the Faith for All podcast. This week, we will be listening to a sermon from Pastor Dana O'Brien's sermon series about the Sermon on the Mount. This sermon series was originally given between August and November 2023. We hope this sermon is both meaningful and educational for you.
1: All right, since you guys have already been standing for a while, stay standing and then you'll really appreciate it when you get to sit down in a minute after I'm done reading. Our first reading, yes, I actually have readings today. Our first reading is from Jeremiah 31, beginning at, ch- at verse 31. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. I will not, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. And then we'll take us back to the Sermon on the Mount where we've been and where we will remain for a couple of more weeks. Starting at verse 13 of chapter 5. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl or bushel. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. On that happy note, please be seated. (laughs) Okay. All right, so by now you know that this morning we continue our look at Jesus' sermon on the Mount, his first according to Matthew. And, according to everybody, his most detailed teaching about how one lives as Jesus' followers in the world. How one lives as Jesus' followers in the world, which means that Jesus' teachings are as applicable to us today as they were 2,000 years ago when he first spoke. Of. So, I know, and I'm, I'm hoping all of us know, that Jesus had a really good reason for, people, for calling people to follow him. Because the centerpiece... The centerpiece of Jesus' ministry was this, this new reality which with, with Jesus inaugurated. It's what, it's what Jesus talked about over and over and over. It is the main theme of everything Jesus said and did. Anyone want to shout out what it is? The kingdom, yes, thank you, everybody was about to say that. You were all about to say it. I'm sure all of you at home said it. Yes, the kingdom. You may not get it now, but by the time we are done with the end of this sermon series, it's going to be rolling off your tongue. Kingdom of God, Jesus, Jesus, kingdom of God, same thing. And you can say either kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven. Either works, it's the same thing. But when you think of Jesus, you've got to think kingdom of God. The two are synonymous. Although if you were like me, you did not grow up hearing any of this stuff kingdom of God hardly ever came up. It is so key to who Jesus is, therefore it is key to who we are and who we become, okay? It is God's reclamation project to get this world back, back from the, hum- the way humanity messed it all up, right? We know it's a messed up place, and God has promised to take it all back. And so Jesus goes around, Jesus goes around, remember his first, his, his first line, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, right? Jesus goes around inviting people to change to to change their lives in response to the announcement that God's kingdom is present. It's here. In Jesus, it has come to earth. And as we learned last week, Jesus starts out by offering God's kingdom to all the wrong people. All the wrong people, right? Jesus goes up a mountain to teach this good news of the kingdom, and the first thing he does, the very first thing he does is bless a bunch of people that no one would ever consider blessed. He, he says that this upside down kingdom of God, that he's bringing is offered to, to the poor, to the sick and the hurting, to those who mourn, to the important, to the unimportant nobodies of his time. And you know, imagine yourself, if you're somebody who was on the outside looking in, if, if you're somebody who was overlooked by your community, it's, it's going to be really, really powerful, really life-changing to hear that you are blessed, to hear that you are blessed, that God is for you, okay? And may, Maybe some of you here or, or watching out there have know what that's like. Maybe you know what it feels like. Maybe you've heard over and over and over again that you're unimportant or you're not wanted or you're simply the wrong kind of person. And maybe you even heard that from church people, okay? And if, if that's the case, then hear now from Jesus. Hear now from Jesus because this is God's truth. You are blessed. God's kingdom is for you and God is on your side. That's powerful stuff. That's life-changing stuff. And so then Jesus continues. And here's where we pick it up today. Here's where I started reading. Jesus tells these ordinary, nobody's listening to him, people who are already a bit shocked by what he has just said, Jesus tells them, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Not not maybe you could be salt and light if you do this, that, or the other thing. Or maybe if you want to follow me, you must become salt and light. No, no. Just like Jesus' blessings, these are words of affirmation. They are words of encouragement. They are words of identity, okay? You are salt, you are light. This is who you are right now, not in some distant future. This is who God has made you to be. This is who you are. it's really hard to appreciate what Jesus was saying 2,000 years ago because salt and light are pretty you know, ubiquitous in, in today's world and we just don't take it, we take it for granted, right? But, but back then, both salt and light were really precious precious commodities. They literally sustained life. Well, I mean, they do now too, but it's not, it's not as, as, as essential as it was back then. Salt was used both to preserve and accent food, and it was so valuable that Roman soldiers actually received part of their salary in salt, and they got really upset when it was paid in anything else, okay? And electricity, um, we have electricity in our world now, but, you know, back then, in a world without electricity, light was the ability to get things done, okay? When you, when you didn't have light, if it got dark back then, nothing happened, because you couldn't see your hand in front of your face, okay? But note, okay, and this is, this is really important. Neither salt nor light exist for themselves, okay? They are only useful, they are only valuable when they are applied to other things. Similarly, Jesus followers are called to exist for others. That's our purpose. We exist for others. Now, and so Jesus commissions his followers, and he commissions us today, those first followers and us today, to go. To go and be salt and light, to, the, to be the people that Jesus has just told us that we are. To season the world as we partner with God to free and bless and heal those around us. To let our light shine so that others can see God at work in us. And again, I want to thank all of you who were at our Fall Fest yesterday because there was a bunch of lights shining, right? There was a lot of seasoning going on as glimpses of of God's kingdom were visible all over the place. That's salt, that's light. You wanna know what it looks like? That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. And then Jesus moves on to what at first may seem like a a really, it's an entirely different topic, and we read that today too, but but really it's not. It's the next logical step in Jesus' teaching, okay? It's all about discipleship in the kingdom. See, first, First, Jesus tells us who we are. We are blessed. We are the salt of the earth. We are the the light of the world. You have to know who you are before you can go live like it, right? So now that we know who we are, now Jesus is going to tell us what the heck all that means, okay? And so at verse 517, we arrive at the beginning of what is traditionally referred to as Jesus' ethical teachings, Except, except they're a lot more than that. They're not just ethical teachings. They are part and parcel of what life in the kingdom of God looks like. Okay? Now, Jesus, Jesus has already given us some clues, right? J- just in the Beatitudes themselves about, about how God's kingdom operates, how it's so, so different from the kingdoms of the world. God's kingdom is all about what? Humility rather than status. It's all about mercy rather than revenge. It's all about striving for peace rather than having our way through violence and power. It's all about an other-focused life rather than a life turned in, centered in oneself. We know it. It's all about love. It's all about love. This week, um, this week, while researching the sermon during my free time, I got what I, I, got what I think is a, a great analogy, a, a really good analogy to how radical and different God's kingdom is from um, this guy named Tim Mackey. And I think I've mentioned him once or twice before. He does what's called the Bible Project. It's a great set of videos that, that teach the Bible visually and in really easy to understand ways. He's got a whole website, and, and feel free to check him out, it's really interesting. He has a very unique kind of voice though, but you get used to it after a while. So, so who here, other than Michael O'Malley and me, who here has ever driven in a country where you have to drive on the left side of the road? Oh, you didn't? Okay, okay, so you people know, you, you people know exactly, you people know exactly what we're talking about. Okay, I did it for a week in Ireland, it was the most disorienting, confusing, backward thing I have ever done in my entire life, okay? So, I want all of you to take this trip with me and imagine yourselves, even if you've never had to do it, even if you've never had to do it, I bet you've been afraid that you might have to do it at some point in time, right? And you've tried to point it off on somebody else if you ever found yourself in one of these, actually small number of countries, but apparently countries, lots of us visit. Okay, most of us here, okay? We've been driving for years, okay, we, not some of our younger people, but most of us older people have been driving for years, okay, and, and you, you know, when you're driving now, you don't think about the mechanics of driving, you don't think about having to flip your, your turn signals on, your, or today your windshield wipers, you know where stuff is, you just flip it, you, you don't figure out which hand you're using, you, you, don't, um, you don't figure out, you don't have to think long and hard about turning right or left and which lane you're going into, you certainly don't have to think about the perspective of how everything looks from where you're sitting in the driver's seat, right? Um, but in Ireland, and in England and Australia, and these small amount of weird countries um, where you drive on the left, or as I would say, the wrong side of the road, everything is backward. Okay? It's all backward. It's, like, it's all counterintuitive. And, and basically, in order to drive, you have to forget everything you've known about driving your car, and you have to start over from, from the beginning. Okay. And and if you aren't really intentional all the time, you have to be thinking all the time, I'm on the left, I'm on the left, I'm on the left. If you're not really intentional, you will find yourself slipping back into the way you've always done it. Because, because you've, you've got years and years of ingrained experience, okay? When I was in Ireland, I cannot tell you how many times I realized or more likely I was either informed by the passenger in my car or a driver in another car that I had either drifted over to the right side of the road or worse I had turned into the wrong lane that happens because it just it's just so weird you just all of a sudden you're they're facing you they're looking right at you oh my god okay keep keep this in mind okay this is exactly okay this is so important this is exactly why Jesus had to spend so much time teaching his followers the basics of what it means to live in God's kingdom. Because Jesus is trying to teach us literally a new way to live, okay? A new way to be human. Some of it overlaps, just like driving. Some of it overlaps with the way that we've been taught to live and the way we always live. But lots of what Jesus teaches us is very, very different from how we've always lived. In fact, what he teaches us, much of what he teaches us, points to exactly how messed up the way we currently live is, okay? Meaning that we have to retrain ourselves to think and to act differently. We have to think, we have to act in ways that are counterintuitive, and oftentimes pretty much the opposite of everything we've learned, the way we've always lived, the way we instinctively have behaved, for our entire lives, okay? I found this a really helpful analogy. And here's where what Jesus is doing gets even harder. And this is where the analogy breaks down just a little bit, okay? Because unlike learning to drive on the left side of the road where we have to learn to drive on the left to conform to what everybody else is doing, right? Because that's what everybody drives on the left in Ireland and England and those weird countries. Um, Jesus asks us to change our behavior to live differently and adopt the values of God's kingdom and to do all this right in the middle of a world that hasn't changed at all. That hasn't changed at all. Okay? It would be as if, after this worship service is over, okay, all of you got into your cars and started driving on the left side of the road. Okay? All of you started, you got in the cars, you started driving on the left side of the road while everyone else is still driving on the right side of the road. Okay? You can imagine. You can imagine what would happen. Pretty quickly, there'd be crashes and collisions all over the place because everybody else is living by a different set of rules. Okay? And that's exactly what happens to Jesus' first followers. Remember, we'll go back to the Beatitudes, the last one, right? Jesus says they were told to expect tension. They were told to expect persecution because, because of the way Jesus' followers lived collides and, and, and crashes into the way that the rest of the world lives. Don't be surprised if it's going to happen. You're, living, you're driving on the, the left. Everybody else is driving on the right. And of course, that's also what happened to Jesus himself. And it's also what happens to us when we live the way Jesus calls us to live. Sometimes I'm, sometimes I'm at my best um, when somebody tells me that I've done it completely wrong and I'm really screwing things up because I know that that's, that's a, um, a pressure I'm getting from the world. And, and if I didn't get it, if they didn't tell me I was wrong, if they didn't tell me I was loving too many people or loving the wrong people, then, then that's when I know that, that I'm doing what Jesus says. Not always. I mean, sometimes we're just screwing up. But, but oftentimes, oftentimes, especially when you're acting out of love. You guys, if you act out of love and, and people push back at you, you know. You know this is a, uh, the world is colliding into the way Jesus lives. And the world is colliding into the way you live. Okay? So... So, so throughout his set of che- teachings, and then throughout his entire ministry, that's that's what Jesus is doing. Okay, just just remember, he's teaching us to drive on the left side of the road in a world that continues to drive on the right. He is very intentionally telling us and teaching us a new way to live. And so it comes up, and I'm sure I'm sure Jesus had heard this question plenty of times before in his short ministry about Are you trying to undermine the Jewish scriptures that are the very foundation of the religious life of his first hearers? Are you are you trying to undercut the whole thing? And that's, and that's not, you guys, that's, you know, sometimes we read this stuff and we think, well, that's really important back then. But, you know, what does that have to do with us? That's not really relevant to us. But you know what? It's important. It's important to any of us, including me, who have ever wondered how what we call the Old Testament and how what we call the New Testament interact, okay? I know sometimes I have trouble understanding parts of the Old Testament in light of what Jesus has told me, okay? And indeed, throughout Christian history, there have been leaders who have wanted to chuck some or all of the Old Testament the the law and the prophets, or the scriptures, as we'll call it here. But Jesus is very adamant about it. He says that's not an option. It's not an option, because Jesus hasn't come to abolish the law and the prophets, quite the opposite. He has come to fulfill them, okay? So what exactly does it mean when Jesus says he's come to fulfill the scriptures? And this is really important, because when Jesus says he's fulfilling the scriptures, he's really talking about cultivating the mindset of a disciple, okay? Where do we look to find God's will for us. Where do we look to find where God wants us to do? That's what that's what Jesus is saying he's doing here. He's fulfilling the law and prophets. He's telling us where we need to look to find out what God wants for us. And to understand what Jesus is saying about fulfilling the law and the prophets, you know, Remember, Jesus was Jewish, all his first hearers were Jewish, it's harder for us. We're not, we're not Jewish, and we, don't have, we aren't steeped in Jewish traditions. So you kind of got to go back to the Old Testament. Remember how God made a number of covenants with God's people, okay? promises that God and the people made to each other. The Ten Commandments are probably the biggest one, and hopefully we, we all know about that one, either because we saw Charlton Heston or because we just learned about it in Sunday school, Okay. God said that he would make these people he had rescued from Egypt, God's people. They would live in a way that would show the nations around them what God was like, okay? This unique way by complying with these commandments. And while God, God always keeps God's promises. That's one thing we can, we can always trust. God always is faithful to God's promises. God's people on the other hand, eh, they have some problems keeping theirs, right? And, and we can't throw stones because like pretty much all of us, They were constantly making bad choices. They were constantly running from God. Indeed, by 587 BCE, their bad choices had destroyed both the northern and southern kingdoms and sent God's people into exile. And and many of you may remember a couple years ago when we looked through that in some detail. Here's the cool thing. God doesn't give up on them. God doesn't walk away. You might think that after all this, God would just say, I've had it with you guys. You just do not have a clue as to what you're doing. But instead, God sticks with them, and not only that, God comes closer to them. God comes closer to us. God sends God's son to literally become one of us. And in the words of our first reading, which we've got there um, from the prophet Jeremiah, God comes to write God's words on our hearts, okay? Here's the key. Jesus is not about, about addressing surface behavior. Instead, he is all about enacting God's forgiveness and fundamentally transforming human hearts, okay? Fundamentally transforming human hearts so that we'll all know what God wants of us. So over the next two weeks, we're gonna look at the remainder of chapter five, and it's all, it's all statements where Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I say, Okay, you have heard it said, but I say, and I'm guessing lots of you are familiar with that. And as we're going to see, this is not Jesus doing away with the commandments. He, Jesus is affirming them. The commandments were good back then. They remain good right now. It's the people that have some problems adhering to them then and now, right? In fact, Jesus tells us, that the Jewish law down to the smallest letter and the least stroke of the pen continues to reflect God's will for us and should be followed. Indeed, indeed Jesus ends with the statement that, that I ended with, right? Pretty challenging. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> Stop right there, right? <laughs> Sounds pretty scary, right? Sounds pretty scary. Where's, where's the Jesus of love that I know, Right? Okay, the Pharisees, the Pharisees are the experts on obeying the law. And later Jesus has tough words for them too. In Matthew 23, he just, he really takes takes them down a notch, right? But but the Pharisees, they're the experts in the law, right? They're the ones who have devoted their lives to figuring out and living it. How can we, how can we be expected to be more righteous than the Pharisees? And righteousness, we're going to get into it more in more detail, a word that Matthew loves. Um, It's simply doing right by those with whom you are in relationship. I think of the song, we don't need to sing it, she, she does right by her man, she stands by her man, you know, anyway. Um, I, I digress, um, but this is the key to understanding what comes next, okay, it's, and we're going to spend two weeks on it, so it's the key. Jesus is not just taking the call to obey the law and ratcheting it up a notch, okay? He is not just making the rest of his sermon more intense, a more intense set of rules to be obeyed, okay? Not, that's not what he's doing. And if you think of that, then you're going to get lost and you're going to panic and you're going to do exactly what we did. We go, oh, my gosh, how can I, how can I do it if the Pharisees can't? Jesus is calling for a renovation of the heart, okay? He's not trying to change our behaviors He's trying to transform our hearts, which, let me tell you, is a lot harder. Okay? So, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to see how Jesus looks deeply at the intent of a particular law. You've heard it say, do not murder, but I say, You have heard it say, do not commit adultery, but I say, okay? He looks looks at the intent of a particular law and how he takes a deep dive, a deep dive into what the commandment points to and exposes the core brokenness that every single person struggles with, okay? And then Jesus addresses these underlying issues that we all struggle with, this underlying brokenness, and he teaches us a new way to live, a new way to be human, okay? So, So summarize, summarize what Jesus does. This is it he first comes to into our messy broken lives and he forgives he forgives he wipes our slate clean God always comes to us and God always forgives with grace and then in relationship God, Jesus teaches us and literally transforms our hearts transforms who we are and empowers us by God's grace to live differently so what did I say yep it turns out that it's all about grace it's all about grace. It's not about what we have to do or can do or should do because, because we can't and we shouldn't and we won't, right? These passages coming up sound a lot like law, but they're actually talking about grace. They're talking all about God's grace because it's only by God's grace, only by God's grace that, that we can live like God's people driving on the left side right in the middle of a world that lives so differently. Amen.
0: We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you're able to bring some of these concepts into your life. Come back next week for another episode of Faith for All. Faith for All was created by Cross of Glory Church. If you'd like more information on Cross of Glory, please visit our webpage at crossofglory.com, where you can learn more about the church, see our upcoming events, and watch previous services and sermons. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Everyone, and we do mean everyone, is welcome to join us at 9.30am each Sunday morning for worship on our website, Facebook, YouTube, or in person at 14719 West 163rd Street, Homer Glen, Illinois. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends, family, and anyone else you can think of about it. Faith for All is available on Podbean, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, or wherever else you find podcasts. Todd Mazera created our original music. John Yuzardo engineered the sound, Jeff Wanderson handled the production duties, and I'm your friend and humble announcer, Andrew Morin. Thank you for joining us.